Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. There may be NCAA tournaments with more buzzer beaters. There may be NCAA tournaments that have more upsets. But Gus, if we get this tournament, the 2018 NCAA tournament, every single year, I'll be a happy camper. I think that's a bit much to ask, especially with the way the tournament's been bookended from the initial game until where we are right now. We got spoiled with the overtime game with Oklahoma and URI to kick things off. And then we got equally as spoiled with the high-level competition in the overtime game with Duke and Kansas. And listeners, we hope that you've enjoyed the ride just like we have. Welcome into the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast. We're talking everything college hoops. We're powered up by Blog Talk Radio. Thank you to those folks. Intro and outro music, thanks to Bell Jar. Mike, is there some place or any 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 initial thought that you want to get off your mind before we go through the little rundown for the people here? Yeah, you did a great job going over the Sweet 16 games. I was not available that night, so you did a superior job. As always, a late night, I think it was, my friend. Maybe some coffee on the uh, pot there? No, I, I went uh, milk cookies and i'm I'm just gonna open up you know lift the curtain a little bit my, my daughter's birthday was this week we had the family birthday this weekend so i i dove into the desserts that were supposed to be for the next day little sugar never did anybody in I, I, yeah i i opened the lid to one of the ones that was closed and uh snuck a little snack in there during the podcast uh, uh hopefully uh you know hopefully didn't tell like while i was munching away in between games it was it was delicious and uh, of course my daughter caught me the next morning was like hey who 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 opened the snacks here who opened the desserts and I just looked at her with like a wry smile and said, hey, I don't know. I don't know how it happened. Well, I've mowed on my cupcake and I've had my hot chocolate here. So I'm ready to go. Let's go back in those sweet 16 games and I'll give you a rapid reaction because Randall's got a lot here. Go ahead. Okay. okay. Uh, all right, listeners. We're going to give you the rundown of the, the sweet 16 games and, and give you just the roadmap of how we got to where we are with the final four. Let's start with arguably the best story that's in the final four, Loyal Chicago and Nevada. Uh, this game did not disappoint uh, Loyal Chicago. Loyola Chicago, 69-68. What was your take here? Do you got two cents on it? Got a lot of praise on Twitter on this one because I feel like I nailed it. Exactly Mm -hmm. as I thought it would go. Loyola Chicago, better team, inside, outside, creating shots. Nevada, a wonderful year, a fantastic year. And if they had Lindsey Drew, I would have picked them to the Final Four. I think you would have picked them to the Final Four. And I think they would have made the Final Four. But as I thought, the bombing threes from three or four feet beyond the arc was eventually going to stop. And I do want to bring this up. You got some ridiculous criticism from Sam Vecini and some other people on Twitter about Mm. how this game ended. Baloney, what are you talking about? The issue was that Nevada was, after hitting a three, was up one. With about 27 seconds left or, or 30 in, in seconds? The, in the neighborhood of 30 seconds, yeah. So basically, if Nevada played defense, they get the ball back with seven seconds left. And the argument was, since they only had four fouls, that they should intentionally foul twice mm-hmm. while going for a steal? Yeah. I, I mean, people – you, you or, got or, – Or be in position earlier – so when you do foul, you could put them on the line and extend the game. However, uh, you know, th- my point there was they've been playing the non-foul defense 
for three weeks now with their roster. So they had that ingrained in their brain. Like, that's not the way that we're going to play. So why would they automatically, like, adjust to that and change that and be like, oh, let's think three steps ahead and let's be ready to foul in a late-game situation. No, they, they, they haven't played that way in three weeks. Gus, it's ridiculous. No one is going to start thinking six minutes before the end of the game, you know, we're not in the one-and-one. One. That is ridiculous. That is metrics overthinking. It's the same people who want to foul when you're up three, yet you haven't practiced how to foul. That's ridiculous. It's easy to sit on the couch with your stomach hanging out and your beverage in your hand, second-guessing muscleman. I'm watching the game and it never crossed my mind to intentionally foul because they could get the ball back with seven seconds. And oh, by the way, Gus, they had timeouts. They had a timeout. It is ridiculous. There's no argument. It's idiotic. It's like saying, well, but if they foul and then they make a two and then they make two free throws and that was stop, sack up and stop them. And you know what they forced, man? They forced a really tough three pointer with no sure time did. left on the clock. End yep. of story. Enough of that garbage. Please, with the metrics overthinking it. That's like the same rationale to pass the ball with Russell Wilson on the one yard line. Sack up and play defense. You have sec- seven seconds left down one. You have the Martin brothers shooting threes from Mississippi. Enough. That's what you do. That's the right play. I agree. And it took an awesome possession, unbelievable passing, and Marcus Towns to can like a major league three-pointer to make this game where it ended up so it, it took a little bit of a miracle on their end as well so and, i'm totally and gus, and gus yeah. the argument is supposed they're like we'll just go for steals right yeah it's right. funny guys if you don't practice how to do that you know what happens you reach you go off balance somebody comes up to help and you give up a wide open layup so the idea that you can just on the ball go for steals it doesn't work that way guys this isn't mr roboto basketball you could reach for the freaking steal go off balance and give up a layup play defense and the way that they have been playing defense is something that coach Musselman has coached over the last two weeks because of their limited roster due to injury and 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 transfers they don't they don't have another player to bring off the bench so they he tells their guys don't foul stay out of foul trouble that's so they would be going against everything their coach has said the last 3 weeks so Anyway, we'll move on. We'll get to Michigan and Texas A&M. Man, this was this got ugly, and it got ugly early, and it stayed ugly late. Michigan wins 99-72. What do you got for Michigan and Texas A&M? Yeah, it, the clock struck 12. I put this tweet right. out. There's no way on Texas A&M season where their karma has been so incredibly negative. With three players suspended to start the game, the up and down, that they're just going to continue this magic carpet ride. I do believe in karma. I believe in good fortune. I believe in the VCUs and those teams and the Masons that have made a run. They had a certain something going on. They didn't have multiple suspensions and people kicked off the team and Michigan did what Michigan does 14 to 24 from three point range that's 58 percent that's about it for this game for me <laughs> pretty much I think and you know throwing six steals for Simpson and, and boom we're, we're we're Michigan's on a roll how about Kansas State pulling the upset over Kentucky 61 to 58 Barry Brown with that drive late late game situation that uh, put it put them up two and then they held off um, what did you take from the Kansas State Kentucky game couple things. First off, karma continues. The story, li- the beauty of this tournament, Gus, is that the storylines that have built throughout the season continued up until the end. Kentucky doesn't blow anybody out. 
Kentucky's had an up and down season. Kentucky did not play great this year. They weren't even ranked back in the middle of February. So the idea that they were just going to blow out Kansas State, I didn't see it. I don't even know why I gave the five and a half to think about it. Kansas State had the mojo going. I think Dean Wade not playing. I would say that Kansas State, man, is probably the first team this year that really overcame an injury, right, to continue to play well. Although they did have a very close game with Maryland-Baltimore County. So, I mean, they could have lost that game. But Kentucky does what they do. They were 3 of 12 from three-point range. They didn't shoot well. Hamadou Diallo, two points. That's fantastic. Kevin Knox, 13. We had a big game from Washington, 18 points. He was totally shocked. And Shai Gildress-Alexander had his normal 15. He's probably the best player there on the team throughout the year. But I put this out also. I mean this for Gilgis Alexander, and I mean it for all of them. Gilgis Alexander is the only one that I think is going to be picked in the first round. They ain't picking Kevin Knox in the first round. He can't jump. He's not a great athlete, and he's a weeble. They're not picking P.J. Washington in the first round because he's a big body. Nick Richards had one point in this game and one rebound, okay, against minis- the, 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 the minuscule Kansas State team. Quade Green, six points. And, and Hamadou Diallo, I mean, who, who's been worse than him? 13 minutes, two points. They should all come back. I know they won't. I know they will all declare. Then you know what? I think the G League is a wonderful place for you. Have a nice job. Have a nice time, guys. Because here's the thing. Here's the negative, Gus, about Calipari. Calipari does a great job. The 30 for 30. He's getting these guys to the NBA. Here's the problem. These guys aren't ready. And you know what Cal wants to do? He wants to reload. Okay, so here's the negative. Now let's see what happens. For the first time, Cal, you have a team that lost without NBA-ready players. Maybe Gildas Alexander. You want to give me that one? I have no problem with it. But no one's taking Kevin Knox 12th overall. It's just not happening. Okay. And there's way too many guys in the foreign countries also. So let's see what Cal does. All about the family, right, Cal? It's all about the family. You will dismiss these guys in two seconds. You want to reload and start over again. So I'll be curious to see what happens here. I think if that does happen and some of those guys come back, that'll be a blessing in disguise moving forward. I don't think it'll be exactly the blueprint that Cal is looking for, but I think he would really, really appreciate having some guys to rely on that have been through the system that can actually teach the newbies coming in, unlike the newbies that came in this year that had nobody to rely on besides Wendell Gabriel. Uh, let's get to Florida State and Gonzaga. Uh, Florida State just kind of wipes the floor with Gonzaga in the second half, 75-60. We had no Tilly. Terrence Mann has obviously played very healthy with 18 points. What do you take from the uh, Seminole win over the Zacks? It's cheap. I don't like the injuries. I hate the Isaac Haas injury. That's one that worked for me. We'll talk about that one. And I don't like the injury here to Tilly. I don't, I mean, listen, injuries are part of the game. I understand that, but this isn't the NFL. Okay, so it's not like every time you go out there, you expect it. Tilly got hurt in warm-ups, re-aggravated hip injury, whatever. That's a killer. There's no, this is why you love hashtag in game wagering, hopefully at my bookie. This is why. Because Killy and Tilly not starting in this game destroyed any chance of Gonzaga winning. Zero. Because they lose rebounding, their number one rebounder or number two. They lose their second leading score. There's a seven footer inside. He can stretch a defense for threes. And Gonzaga, being a small school, doesn't have the depth to overcome that. If Tilly plays, I think they win. Very similar to DeAndre Hunter in Virginia. Very similar to Isaac Haas as well. But you know yeah. what they didn't? Florida State moves on. It's a killer. Gonzaga not having Tilly is just a tough way to end the season. And especially with very little time to prep for that, you felt like even if they had 12 hours to prep for it, the game plan would be a little bit more in place. But I felt like he was doing a lot of in, you know, in-game adjustments there and trying to figure it out on the fly. Uh, and how about, okay, let's go to, um, let's go to Kansas and Clemson. Did you take anything away from the Kansas Clemson game? Clemson, like, uh, fought back even being down double digits and got it within four. 
with a you know with a backdoor cover if that's your thing. Yeah, cheap. Uh, oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Devoe goes off for thirty one, and uh, you know Malik Newman just continued his great play. Uh, he was hitting like crossover step back threes. Uh, what'd you take from the Kansas Clemson game? It's a wonderful win for Kansas, and and Clemson had a fantastic season. No Grantham, this could be a Final Four team. I think mm. they fought valiantly. I think Kansas got off early with the three pointers. They were ten to twenty two from three point range. Gabe Devoe had a fantastic year. It was great. But in the end, they just didn't have enough. Thomas had four points, eight rebounds. They needed another big inside, and yeah. Clemson could have made a game of this. So nice win for Kansas. Backdoor cover, cheapest one ever, because Kansas is really in control from start to finish. Totally agreed. Uh, uh, th- how much did you enjoy the Villanova-West Virginia game? Villanova wins 90-78. to 78. Did you feel like this was one of the most competitive games in the tournament thus far? It went exactly as I thought it would. I thought West Virginia would get up, all the cocky Villanova fans saying to me, yeah, I just don't see how they keep this close. They keep it close because they have the heart of a champion, because they have Huggins, because they have Miles, and they have Carter. But Villanova is just relentless. Their offensive balance is incredible. And Gus, the guy who I think is the biggest difference maker, I think Jalen Brunson is the national player of the year. He was in my book. I think that Bridges is a valuable player. He's absolutely an NBA player. The one is Omari Spellman. I remember Mm. back in the Bahamas, when they were in the Bahamas, Omari Spellman really wasn't giving them much, was up and down. He became a guy that can start his night by making threes. He was four of seven from three-point range. He grabbed eight rebounds, had 18 points. Name another player in college basketball who can go at the center position or power forward, if you will, 18 points, eight rebounds, and make four three-pointers. There are not many. You one know, may, one may be Killian Tilly. One may be Killian Tilly. One of them is Killian Tilly. That's why that hurt Gonzaga. That's a difference maker. And I still love Dante DiVincenzo. Had six rebounds in this game. The kid's going to be a tremendous pro. You know, I see Dante DiVincenzo and I apologize. I really should call him Clay Thompson, right? But I, I, I think Dante DiVincenzo is going to be an outstanding pro. Great win for Villanova. West Virginia, heart of a champion. But in the end, 7 of 28 from three-point range is not going to do it when you're giving Villanova open looks because of the press every so often. Yeah, that's how. That's what I thought would uh, take form in that game too. I thought that they would get a couple of open looks, and that just happened later on in the game. How about uh, how about Duke Syracuse matchup of the zones? Uh, this game way closer than I kind of thought it would, and way closer than Vegas thought it would be. Um, what do you take from the Duke Syracuse game and the, the low scoring affair that had the zones matched up against one another? Yeah, I just kept kicking myself. I just kept kicking myself because this is another example. Duke is not good. Compared to what their talent was and their hype was coming in at the beginning of the year, they're not. Syracuse plays the zone better. You can't switch to the crane kick at a desperation there because you couldn't teach. that. Duke switched to their zone because Krzyzewski failed at teaching the man. That's the fact. Gus, if they started playing zone day Mm -hmm. one, Totally different story. He had Wendell Carter day one. That's a, that's he, a great point. He that's had he had Marvin point, yeah. Bagley day one. He had mm-hmm. Marcus Bolden day one. He had mm-hmm. Delorier day one, and he still played man. You can't do it. If they had played zone since day one, they may be in the final four right now. So it was a slow game. It's a great coaching job by Bayheim. How about my guy Chuku? Okay, he was fantastic. He had. Yeah. He was great. He was he was he influenced the game. Glada Dunks, eight point seven rebounds. They don't have enough firepower to beat Duke, but the fact that this game was close really affected my prediction on the next Duke game. Uh, agreed. And then how about we finish up with uh, Texas Tech and Purdue? You felt like this game kind of followed your blueprint that you laid out on how this game would lay out. Exactly. And I I, I said bet the mortgage, and if you did, congratulations. Isaac Haas is there, Gus. Different story. 
Different st- I don't know who I would pick. I don't know. I, I don't know the answer because he wasn't there. But the idea that part of the guy, Matt Harms, the biggest thing we're hearing about Matt Harms is his hair. Okay. That's right. not going to cut it against Texas Tech. It's just not. No, it's not. Keenan Evans does what Keenan Evans does. Carson Edwards was amazing. He's fantastic. He's a pro. Don't give me this Frank Mason garbage about I can't play in the pros. Enough of that. He's a winner. 30 points, four of nine from three-point range. Vincent Edwards had a solid game, 12 and 13, double-double. But you can't lose – Isaac Haas, when he's been such an integral part of your team and expect to beat a team playing as well as Texas Tech. It is not going to happen. I thought this was an easy pick, and the, and the Red Raiders move on. Well, hopefully you did take out that, I think you said a home equity. Home line. equity, was yeah. It, yeah 50, was, was that correct? I did. And then you said, you said bet the entire thing. The HELOC, if you will, Gus. The HELOC on Texas Tech. All right, so just in case you are looking for a place to do that, we have the place to do that for you. We're going to recommend the next time Mike Randall says you should take out the home equity loan and place it on this particular team. Which will be in 10 minutes, by the way. Go ahead. This particular game, we want you to head to mybookie.ag. MyBookie has been in the business for years. Their rep is totally rock solid, and they're going to give you a 50% cash bonus once you start your account. They have some of the fastest payouts in the business, 48-hour processing. When you win, you get paid. So you know who's going to win after listening to Mike, right? So let's lay down some money, and let's win big today. We would only recommend this to our listeners if it's been good to us, and we really like the MyBookie guys. They've been really great to us personally. Um, Really nice guys, great relationship. That's why we're urging you to head over to MyBookie. They have in-game wagering, first half, second half, some live betting, some of the most rewarding player perks in the business, and an all-new mobile site that makes wagering on the go a breeze if you're out with your crew and you're feeling really good about a first half line or a second half line or just a line overall and you can't get to your laptop. So... Head to my bookie. They'll match your deposit 50% right off the bat. You start your account with 100 bucks, they're going to back it up with 50 more. Please use the promo code SDS to activate that offer. Punch in our promo code SDS when you visit my bookie AG today. When you play, you win, you get paid. Let's head to the big games from this weekend, the Elite Eight. The Cinderella story continues, the Sister Jean, the whole entire thing. Loyola Chicago beats up on Kansas State, 78-62. Ben Richards has a career-high 23 points. He was the guy for Loyola Chicago this particular game. This is the lowest seed ever tying LSU in 1986, George Mason in 06, and VCU in 2011, an 11-seed to make the Final Four. Uh You'll probably hear and get your eyes or ears on uh, the 1963 National Championship team from Loyal Chicago. Uh, when they played that game, it was called the Game of Change. It was directly in the center of the nation's civil rights movement. Uh, and that game carried some heavy weight as far as uh, incorporating itself into the nation's civil rights movement at that time. Um, so I'm sure you'll, you'll hear a, a whole bunch of uh, historical uh, facts and, and impact that this team has in NCAA lore. K-State held everybody that they played in the tournament under 59 points. And Loyola Chicago, not only – they almost put up 20 more than that. So they just were efficient on offense, unbelievable, and they shot 57% from the field. Mike, what did you take from Loyola Chicago 
just absolutely putting a beat down on Kansas State in the second half. This is an easy one to me, too. Uh, you know, Kansas State has played solid defense all year. They had to play the Marcus Foster-Creighton team. Now, we were surprised that Marcus Fo- Marcus Foster got shut down, but Creighton still doesn't shoot great on the road. Then they have to play UMBC, and then they play Kentucky, who can't make threes. This one was easy to me. The weakness on Loyola Chicago is the offensive rebounding. They are 332nd in the country in offensive rebounding. The problem is... When you look at Kansas State, defensive rebounding is 301st in the country. Right. So Loyola Chicago plays defense. They stop the three-point shot. They run motion offense, and Kansas State is missing their center. I don't understand why Kansas State was favored. Besides the fact that it's an 11 seed, I thought Loyola Chicago was the better team. They picked them apart. Kansas State had a great season, but there's a reason they were middle of the pack in the Big 12, and Loyola Chicago moves on. They're the better team. And it's funny because we we were trading, obviously trading some texts with a bunch of our, our, our bunch of our guys, and somebody brought up, uh, you know, Maddie from out in uh, uh, Milwaukee said, if they had Duke on the front of their jersey, everybody would be lauding them as like, they're, oh, they're the best team in the tournament. How are they not like? They would be getting more credit. So I think there is a little bit of that, like they are the loyal of Chicago. They are the name that that nobody's really familiar with. And it be, if they just had a little bit more clout, we would be saying like, maybe they're the favorite and maybe more people would be on the on the side that you just argued. Like, of course, I think they were the best team. I think they were the, the team that was going to win here too. So I think more people would be on your side. But if they just had that different uniform name on their front. Gus, they're shooting 40.2% as a team from three-point range. Crazy. 40.2%. And they have – Porter Mosier does a phenomenal job. You heard after the game his tribute to Rick Majerus. He did disciple Majerus. He coached with him at St. Louis. Majerus told him he's got to take the job at Loyola Chicago, and the rest is history. They strip the ball so well. They're constantly looking to strip the ball, and their footwork and where they get to spots is perfect. The big guy on offense inside, he's not good. He's terrible. But his footwork is so superior that he's handling things inside. They never give up a second rebound. They always are box out, move out. And if you drive on them and you do get through the help and recover, they strip the ball over and over again. Great defense, great positioning, 40.2% from three-point range. That's a Final Four team. I. I'm totally with you on that. I'm, I'm so excited that we have a team that is going to get the national attention uh, this upcoming week and can maybe kill some of this like dead time that we have to wait until next weekend for the game. So I'm totally excited to hear any loyal Chicago story that we got. The big kid, Krutwig, is a freshman, by the way. He's a 6'9 freshman. The kid was playing high school last year. He's dominating inside. I think it goes back to what you said before. Great coaching. Unbelievable coaching. All right, how about uh, number nine, Florida State and Michigan, number three. Now, Michigan does pull out the win 58-54. Uh, to 54. Charles Matthews was the, was the man. He had 17 points, a bunch of nice boards, looked like the most athletic player on the floor. Uh, Michigan put their top five Ken Palm-ranked defense into motion here. Duncan Robinson's three with uh, like two-ish minutes to play, gave him that cushion. And I think the, the question here, and this got like some media pub like afterwards, like, do you foul with when you're down four with ten seconds to play, or do you just like run it out like uh, and let it go? Like I, I'm not sure which way to go there, Mike. You've been on the sideline. I guess we'll, let's just start there. Do you foul down four with ten seconds to play, and then you know extend it at least for one more possession? Yeah, you do foul. Uh, I don't think it changed the game. 
just no. the way the flow was going. You do yeah. foul. He made a mistake, and he know he did, and he knows he did. But that that's it didn't change the game in my opinion. I think Michigan was the better team. I think they're going to make their free throws. I think Florida State was really struggling there. And listen, Florida State did a great job there. You see the 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 the, the players that you like us that you always talk about tend to be long players that can do a multitude of things like the Martin brothers, and they can right. also cause havoc defensively. That's what your Florida State team was. That's what your Nevada team was. This is what you're looking at. They really were able to get on a ride there and cause some problems, and they did. They busted the uh, Michael Porter-esque led Missouri Tigers. Okay, everybody said Mike Porter's going to be not more pick in the draft, right? No one's seen him play. No one's seen the guy play. Fine. Oh, he's unbelievable. Okay, well, let's see it first, okay? Um, but it, it was a, it's a great win for Michigan. They just continued rolling through. I've said it all year. I said it back in the preseason. We do a review show. We'll talk about it, see if we can find the clips. John Beeline. John Beeline. They don't have a point guard. It's the one thing they don't have. Simpson is okay. I understand that. But Poole hits the shots. Livers comes in. They don't have a point guard, yet they're still winning because of him. And what can't be talked about enough, he brought in Luke Jakic to coach defense. Beeline recognized that he needed to get better on defense. He brought in this guy to coach. He's been phenomenal. Their defense has been great. They're going to be tested against Loyola Chicago, but Michigan got the threes going. Beeline's brilliant, and they're back in the Final Four. Yeah, I think the the thing that really stood out here for Michigan was that they did make their free throws. Even Simpson, who's a little flighty at the at the foul line uh, during the the end game there, and Duncan Robinson's two free throws as well. So you'd like to see that they close it out the line, and that was one, maybe if you're going to find a chink in Michigan's armor, that might be the chink in their armor. Their overall team free throw shooting. Um, so Michigan moving on to the final four. Yeah, and don't and don't by the way, don't assume that Michigan is just a three point happy team. They mm-hmm. only rank 107th in the country in three-point percent percentage at 36.1. They don't turn the ball over, number one, and they're also efficient from the from a two-point field goal percentage. So they're not just a bombing team. That's totally not true. And and Charles Matthews was fantastic as well. Yeah, he was fan- he 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 was the best player on the floor for Michigan in this particular game. That's not always the case. Maybe Mo Wagner one night, uh, Abdul Rahman the other night, but. In this case, yeah, he looked like the most athletic uh, student athlete on the floor. Okay, let's go to Villanova, Texas Tech. Mike, I think you're on the other end of uh, the way you thought this game was going to go. Villanova wins at 71-59. to They locked down the defensive end on Texas Tech. And strangely enough, they had more offensive rebounds in this game than made threes, which I think if you're a Texas Tech and you were going to go in and you were going to you know, your coach beard and, and you hear that stat, you might be like, okay, I kind of like that. That means we're defending well on the three point line and running them off. But man, when Villanova gets, you know, 10 plus offensive rebounds on you, that that's, that makes up for those missed threes. Um, Keenan Evans news. I mean, I guess this makes sense playing, you know, back to back games or all, you know, at least two games within uh, 48 hours of one another. Uh, it was revealed that he was actually playing with a broken toe, uh, that that thing was not just sprained, so he was actually just like manning up and trying to gut it out. Super impressive on his end. The fact that he played so efficiently with that injury, um, and then I guess uh, you know I think Villanova uh, Reverend Rob Hagen is going to have the opportunity to meet up with uh, Sister Jean. Maybe you know maybe they can uh, you know talk favorite hymn or something like that. Uh, so perhaps uh, you know they, they'll get together and that might be a nice photo op for. For those two uh, 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 religious luminaries, um, so Villanova makes it back to the Final Four. Uh, your Red Raiders couldn't pull it out. 
Mike, what did you take from the Villanova-Texas Tech game? Yeah, the Evans news is tough, but that has nothing to do with the outcome. I mean, after the Baylor game, he, he sat out a game and he played a couple and only had two and six points. But then he went 23-25 and he had 23-22 and against Stephen F. Austin in Florida. He certainly played solid in the second half against Purdue. So that's mm-hmm. no excuse. What killed them right. in this game, Gus – is they got worn down in the first half. They got lazy. The th- what they used to be able to do is defend without fouling. That was one of their calling cards. They had 12 fouls in the first half. After the last two games, they had 12 and 18 combined the entire game. 12 right. fouls in the first half, 19 free throws to Villanova. I knew the game was over at halftime. And listen, they made a run. They got it to five. That's cute. That's really nice. But you're not going to win that way. They can't. They're and they're, the, the fouls, Gus, were terrible. They're fouling you, on shots. They're hitting the wrist of players. Like it wasn't like they were going for loose balls. You know, they gave up at least three, maybe four, and ones on those fouls. You can't make those mistakes. Did you feel like maybe after they got out of the gates nine one, and then they got through like the first TV t- like got to the first TV timeout in good shape? Do you feel like they 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 like? I, I don't know. You feel like just exerted like so much effort and then they were like taken aback. I, I felt like they got out early and they were fine. And then I felt like basically, you know, the whole rest of the first half, they were, they were just playing like really, really flat. Yeah, I, I don't think it was effort. I mean, I, I don't think it took a lot of effort because I don't think Villanova was running up and down the court. I think they played their normal defense like they always do. And then they just got careless. And listen, eventually a team's not going to make shots if they lose or a team's going to be bad. They had a stretch there of about eight minutes where they were giving up offensive rebounds on the weak side. Zach mm-hmm. Smith can't get two fouls. Zaire Smith gets two fouls. Can't happen. Keen Evans was great in the second half, and they did a very good job locking down. They, didn't, they had like four fouls with about five minutes left to go in the second half. But guys... You can't do that. You you can't beat Virginia and turn the ball over 10 times in the first five minutes, okay? You can't go against West Virginia and not be able to handle the press. And you can't go against an offensively skilled team like Villanova and give them 19 free throws in the first half. Gus, they're on pace for 38 free throws. They just yeah. – they, they, they couldn't – contain them one-on-one and that was the problem and kudos to Villanova they're a spectacular basketball team you bring up a great point because I think that was shocking because you felt like the one place that Texas Tech could match up with Villanova maybe they weren't like as skilled or refined like on the offensive end but you felt like they could match up with them athlete for athlete right and you felt like that maybe like they they weren't going to get broken down on a crossover dribble or out rebounded or you know out efforted. You felt like they could match up athletically, and it seems like there was a little gap there that we didn't expect. So I totally agree with that assessment on your part. Thankfully, we get to end the rundown with you know oh, what one of the game. best what a game what a what game. are the one of the best games of the tournament. What else do you want from Kansas Duke? You heard Bill Self on his like you know presser uh, pregame or the day before saying this is why players come to both of these schools to play in a game just like this and man was he right he was totally spot on on point and Kansas wins it in overtime 85 81 Malik Newman the star of the game and uh, Trayvon Duval you know played unbelievably well so two players that probably were not in the top of the scouting reports for either side, playing out of their heads and being studs, the stars and difference makers. Kansas out-rebounds Duke, surprisingly, 70, uh, I'm sorry, 47 to 32. And I felt like the Wendell Carter foul situation was a pivot here, especially when he got in foul trouble and got those four fouls and had to sit out for a long amount of time. And then when he fouled out on that charge block call, 
Uh, you could tell he was an emotional on the bench, and you felt like that call could have went either way, and that was a really pivotal call in the game. So, Mike, what was your take from the Kansas-Duke game in overtime? What a game by Kansas. Holy smokes. It was a phenomenal game. It was a. It, it was probably the best game of the entire tournament, start to yeah. finish. Even I think you can make that argument, yeah. The, the UMBC win, again, I still say was just very odd because they blew them out. I mean, this is how I thought a 16 would be to one, something like this, right? Right. It was a fantastic win for Kansas and a brutal loss for Duke. An awful, awful loss. With all the talent that they have, for them to lose this game when Azubuki fouls out is absolutely horrific. I was rooting for Kansas here. Bill Self out coach Shashevsky. If Duke won this game, it would have been a slap in the face to all of us who are the college basketball junkie diehard guys. They just rolled five guys out there with no point guard, with Grayson Allen. By the way, a little karma on that shot rolling out, huh, babe? At the I end of the so. first, at the end of the year regulation, uh-huh. Carter's in, Bagley's in. Listen, they cared and they played hard. And listen, Bagley didn't declare like Lonzo Ball did after the game, so I give him credit for that. But Kansas was the more cohesive team. That's the narrative. That's another storyline we talk about, man. Kansas, four losses, one you know in Kansas City, the other three in Fog Allen at home. They get swept by Oklahoma State for the first time a Big 12 opponent's done that. We thought they were in trouble. I thought they were in trouble early on. They come back. They win the 14th straight regular season Big 12 title. They then win the Big Big 12 tournament title with an injured Azubuki. And then they go out and beat a Duke team that should have beat them front to back top to bottom, inside and outside. It's a great win for Kansas. They made more shots at the end. Duke turning the ball over. Duval was good. I will say that. Trent hits a lot of big shots, but a great, great win for Bill Self. I think it's the best coaching job I've seen out of him in a maybe ever, to be honest, because I think he was a massive underdog here. And how about Malik Newman? 32 points, 11 of 12. Jesse Newell said it in the preseason when we interviewed him as a beat writer down in, uh, in Kansas City. Malik Newman stole the show. Mihailik missed a couple threes there. Lake us. I thought they were in trouble. He missed two wide open threes at the end of regulation. I, I, yeah, I thought that second one was going to go. That was a great look. And I think, and listen, the call was close. When it happened live, I was watching my wife and I go, oh my God, oh, that's a charge. Now listen, I still, I still would have said charge, okay? When you looked yeah. at it in slow-mo, he did rise off his feet and he did yeah. slide left. But yep. I don't want to hear folks do keep talking about bad calls. That's like Patriot fans uh, talking about bad calls. Okay, give right. me a break. I think you've probably had a few go your way. In the end, Kansas took it from you, and there's nothing you can say about it. And then there's a couple of other like just like minor storylines from this. It felt like I don't know if you were looking at like if through this uh, an NBA scout size like. I don't know. I think I'd rather have Mihailuk than, than Grayson Allen on my team now. Isn't that crazy that we're saying that now? Grayson Allen won't be in the league in three years. Yeah. I, he I, won't I, be I, in the pros in three years. Come on. Uh, I, no way. No chance. And you have like two potential lottery big men. And I felt like, Azub, you know, with Carter and, and Bagley, and I felt like Azabuki played them to a standstill when he was in there and was could jump with them. Uh, could rebang with them, could rebound with them. It, it, there was nothing that they were doing that Azubuki couldn't handle. So I felt like he was like kind of a standout performer for them as well. Uh, I felt like D'Souza, like I said, you know, uh, previously on the previous podcast, is kind of figuring out on both ends slowly but surely. And then you, you, you throw in the performance by Malik Newman. He looks like one of the best players in the country. He, he looked fluid. He looked confident. 
There was no like herky jerkiness to his game. There were there was no like insecurity like there was earlier on in the season. He looked amazing. So Kansas, I totally agree with you that this might be Bill Self's like finest coaching experience because of the lack of confidence that everybody had in what this team could accomplish coming in. Oh, this is the year that they're you know they're gonna get that that streak of Big Twelve titles knocked off. Boom, nails that. Oh, they don't have an impact player like Frank Mason last year. Okay, Demonte Graham proved up me wrong. Definitely, um, he played his out of his head and and played like an All American during the second half of the season. Oh man, they, you know I don't know if they have an impactful big inside. Boom, Azubuke develops into that and shoots the over seventy percent from the field. Man, Bill Self gets it done again. I can't believe he's back in the Final Four. Great win for the Jayhawks. Devontae Graham, too, really showed me a lot in this game, and I've been on him all year long. Oh, yeah. But he played 45 minutes. I don't think he's a stud. He didn't stud. Straight up stud. He didn't come out of the game. Now, listen, I don't know how great a pro he's going to be, okay? And I still, you know, think he was very up and down. And for the first half of this year, Svima Hylik was a better player than him. But Devontae Graham ran the show. You see teams when they don't have point guards. You think Duke liked to have Devontae Graham right now? Okay. He took care of business. He only had two turnovers. He did not commit a foul, Gus, in this game, and he played 45 minutes. Mihailik played 42. Legerald Vick played 41, had 14 points. Newman had played 44 minutes, all except for one. He had 32 points. They had no bench whatsoever. A tremendous win by Bill Self. Double and Bagley in the post. They were covering out of it. They just looked better coached. It looks like their game plan was a little bit more sound and a little bit more polished than Duke's game plan. And, you know, one more thing about Newman. I think he had all of their points in overtime, which is absolutely insane. I can't believe that he like he won a game in overtime. He put the team on his back to get that team to the final four and just absolutely balled out in overtime, scoring double digits in overtime. That was crazy. And my, um, and my last thing about self, I, I just want to praise him here. Remember he benched LeGerald Vick in the middle of the year. There's sure a do. run there, Gus, where he started Mitch Lightfoot. Mitch Lightfoot yep. played 17, 16, 20, 18, 22, 22, and 15 minutes there. Then at the end of the season, he played 23, 21, and 14 because Azabuki got hurt. Mitch Lightfoot didn't step foot on this on the floor in this game, and he only played two minutes against Clemson. That shows you how great a job he did, that he won a Big 12 regular season and tournament title with Mitch Lightfoot playing major minutes for him, and that kid didn't see the floor when everybody's healthy. Great coaching adjustment by adjusting his rotation and saying, like, look, if I'm going to win this game, I can't put Lightfoot on the court if he's going to be in charge of trying to take care of a lottery pick like Bagley or Carter. Fantastic win. Great job. Yeah. And, and listen, as for Duke, I said at the beginning of the year, do you want to, you want to come at me? Go ahead. At Randall Rand on Twitter. You want to talk to the podcast and be a little more uh, nice? Go to at screen the screener podcast or talk to <laughs> Gus. You can be super nice to him at C Currents 12. There are question marks whether Shashevsky can have freshmen meld together to be fantastic. He missed his mark. He recruited these guys and the system he recruited failed. That's a fact. They're playing zone. They're turning the ball over. Flip the script to Bill Self, who lost his five-star recruit, Billy Preston, and still managed to make a Final Four. Unbelievable job. Really great job. And then last thing on Duke for me, if you're going to bring in all of those five-star freshmen that are really highly regarded and you're going to lean on Grayson Allen as being the example setter and the you know coach on the floor slash uh, teacher – then I think there's holes in that plan too. So I think, and I think that showed itself here. And and I, I don't know if that I know like Dukies are going to say like, oh, you know, Grayson's great, but 
I, I think like you said, like there's some sort of like cosmic karmic uh, equation that wasn't quite right with Duke. And I think that showed in the overtime in this game. And when we get when we get some some people on here to talk about the NBA draft and talk about the signings for next year. We oh, get, yeah. We get, can't, can't, can't wait for that. We that's get gonna, Paul Biancardi. I am the first thing I'm going to ask these guys is we need a new ranking system because I'm done hearing about five star recruits that do nothing. Look at mm. Kentucky, 38, 38 stars worth of recruits. They can't make a Final Four. I'm going back to the Athlon magazine. Now, Athlon does an outstanding job on their preview magazine. Here's what they said about Duke. Coach K reloaded again. Three five-star hyphenated recruits will be counted on to replace three first-round draft picks. Point mm-hmm. guard Trayvon Duvall should be an instant star. So let's go through this. They had their five-star recruits. They didn't get to a Final Four. Bagley's fantastic. Gary Trent is really solid. Duvall is not a point guard, and that was the problem. So you yeah. can't just slop it all together, Gus. Reminds me of the Lakers when they had Carl Malone and Shaq and Kobe and all those guys. Peyton, Gary Payton. Gary yeah. Payton, and they got swept by Detroit. Team yep. basketball will usually win, almost always, and it happened again. And let's just tie a nice bow on this and say, I wonder how many five-star recruits there are in Loyola, Chicago. I wonder. <laughs> what What are your thoughts on those games real quick? Before we'll get into it more deeper later in the week, what are your quick reactions to those games? Oh, oh here, here's my uh, – uh, on. let's just go on the left side. Uh, I think if you're going to compare Michigan and Loyola, I think you're going to see – uh, I, I think you're going to see a reflection. I, I don't know if there's like, I think they're looking at each other in the mirror. And the one thing that I think could be the d- difference maker there or the defining factor, I think that Wagner with his size, mobility and skill set in the body that he has, I think as long as he doesn't fall in love with the three and actually tries to be uh, a force or an impact in the paint, not necessarily on the block, but at least in the paint, I think that might play dividends for the Wolverines, and I also think they might have um, they, they also might have an advantage with uh, Abdul Rahman or Matthews, depending on which matchup they go with. And I bet Beeline tries to attach that match that matchup. So if I'm going to lean one way, I guess I'll slightly lean Michigan, but we'll get deeper into it later. And I guess on the other side, I, I, there is something like good vibe wise here with with Kansas. But it just seems like Villanova is on is on the quest here to get to another championship game. So I'm going to lean with the offensive efficiency. I don't think there's any way they shoot that poorly a well for, uh, that 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 poorly from three again in back to back games. So give me a slightly more uh, efficient three point shooting team for Villanova, outclassing a Kansas team, I guess. But again, we'll get into it later. What do you think? I love Loyola Chicago. I think they are a horrific matchup for Michigan. I think they, they have more, I think they have more of an inside game. I think they defend the three well, which is going to cause Michigan all sorts of problems. I don't think this train is stopping. In the other game, go back. Now you have $100,000 on your home equity line of credit and bet on the Villanova Wildcats to win the national championship. It's a lock. It's a mortal lock. The only way that Villanova doesn't win is if they play Loyola Chicago in the championship game, and we get a reverse of 23 years ago when Villanova beat Georgetown. That is the only hope. They are not losing to Kansas. I think they win easily. The spread right now is Kansas by uh, Villanova by five, and it's also Michigan by five. Mm-hmm. I, I think Villanova handles Kansas easily. That is no disrespect to Kansas. I think Sell's been doing it with smoke and mirrors, and I think Villanova is a steamroll right now. 
I would bet the mortgage on Villanova. I think their toughest game was Texas Tech. They got past it. I don't see any way they don't win the national championship. Interesting. I think that I, I don't know if there's going to be many people that are going to argue something different unless they're fans of those teams. I think uh, they have to be kind of the overwhelming favorite coming in due to uh, rankings, due to metrics, due to uh, pace of play. They, they've proven that they can win a game at any speed. And for that point, I think Michigan has too. I mean, Michigan put up 90 points against Texas A&M, and then they had to win a game in the low 60s. So the versatility of both Michigan and Villanova, I think, is really appealing. And if those two teams do match up, uh, you want to see what pace the game is played at because you, you just don't know and you want to see who forces their will on the game. Totally agree. I can't wait, partner. We're down to four. Four amazing teams and the storylines fit. Loyola Chicago from the blow-up bracket is the Cinderella. John Beeline, the fantastic coach in Michigan, who've been steamrolling here since since that game. Well, they lose that game as a Northwestern game ever since I don't, then. I, I don't I don't think they've lost in like I don't know like five weeks. Yeah, I think it was early February that Northwestern <laughs> yeah. game. That's what that's what we were, I was questioning the pick and all this other stuff. Right. All right, then you got Villanova, heart of a champion, just a basketball juggernaut right now. Whether people want to admit or not, the small Catholic school here on the East Coast, but they're rolling. And Bill Self gets back to his third Final Four while he's at Kansas. There, he's done a fantastic job. Interesting to know, partner, that they've made the finals twice. They have not lost in the Final Four while he's at Kansas. I don't think they won the national title against Memphis. And then they mm-hmm. went there and lost when they had Thomas Robinson, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That so, Thomas Robinson, so that's yeah. an interesting game. But he's done an outstanding job. You got the blue blood in Kansas. You got the mini blue blood in, in Villanova. You got John Beeline, Michigan, doing a great job at a pri- primarily a football school, but a, t- a school that's been fantastic with basketball. He's a brilliant mind. And then you got Loyola Chicago, Sister Jean, the little engine that could. What else would you want from the way the 2018 season went, huh? We're just going to say thank you, college basketball. Thank you, March. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in and letting us share March and the college basketball season with you. We're honored that you give us part of your ears, part of your brain, and part of your attention during the college basketball season. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Listeners, we'll catch up with you later on this week to give you a further breakdown of the Final Four and some other news and notes. Until that time, we just want to say uh, cheers, salancha, grazie, and arigato. Thank you, everybody. 